You're listening to the Great Synth 68 Podcast, the dedicated Birmingham City women's audio show bringing you the latest news and interviews from the club. Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 57 of the Great Synth 68 Podcast, the dedicated weekly women's football podcast about all things Birmingham City. It's great to be back for another week and I'm joined as always by Chris and Kaz. Kaz, how have you been? I've been all right, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. How about you, Chris? Yeah, good, thank you, Craig. Glad to hear it. We start this week's show with the news that broke today that Sarah Westwood has been promoted to the position of general manager at Birmingham City. She was the manager of Solihull Moors' ladies' side until she was offered the job as team operations manager at Birmingham City. She's been embedded in the women's football community for a long time. She previously was at Blues as a youth player but had her career cut short due to an injury in her 20s. Heather Cohen is obviously a respected official who obviously has left the club and she's uh, respected by both fans and players alike. So it's obviously a tough act to follow, but it looks like it's going to be a good move, Chris, by the club to bring Sarah and promote her from the position she she held before. Yeah, I think think the important thing with a position like that you want somebody who knows the club, um, who, you know, who's got the club at heart. And, and I think, as you mentioned, Sarah, um, you know, played for us previously um, and obviously worked, has, has been around the club for the last few months. Um, you know, we'll, we'll know the job that Heather had. Um, so hopefully, like you say, the fact that they're promoting from within will um, we'll give Sarah the best possible chance of carrying on the excellent work that Heather did while she was here absolutely Kaz what what do you think do you think it's a good move uh, yeah like we speak to Sarah quite regularly at the ground and uh, yeah I think she'd be a great credit to, to become uh, general manager so yeah all the best to her and obviously it is a shame that we've lost Heather but hopefully Sarah can continue the work that Heather and Kirsty previously to have have done within the club yeah absolutely and we wish her the best of luck going forward. Let's move into the Q&A then. We've asked for questions from our listeners for various topics to debate tonight. We'll go through them in the order I got them in, I guess. So Steve Wright asks, what do you all think about having a fan forum where we can air any issues we have as fans with the club? It appears the club are reluctant to respond to fans' tweets and emails. Chris, first of all, what do you think of the idea? I mean, I wouldn't be adverse to it per se. You know, I think it's important that supporters are heard within the club. Tweets might not have been replied to, but um, I'm sure any tweets that the club do get, get seen. And whatever the tweets, uh, whatever the the issues are, if you like, um, I'm sure that the club take them on board and and look to help um, supporters if they have any queries. Um, But if there was like a monthly, like you say, a monthly fans meeting or something with a representative from the club i wouldn't be horrendously adverse to that i don't think no I don't, a month might be too often maybe like four times a year something like that yeah possibly yeah what, what do you think Kaz? Do, do you like the idea i think that'd be a great idea because obviously over the last couple of months fans have been left in the dark about a lot of things mm. obviously with mark leaving and then obviously nothing got told about Carl, and then there was Heather. So I think the fans need to be told about things beforehand before it gets released, as in via media. If you know what I mean, because it puts a bit of a downer on 
on the fans that they don't get to know about these things. Yeah, I think that goes to the whole the way that women's football is changing, the way that it's becoming more closed off compared to we, perhaps in previous years, Chris. Yeah, the, the Mark one in particular, you know, where where the news breaks on the morning of a game. Um, like you say, I think that is just journalistic tent work, you know, at, at the the way the way it does work, and and as you say, I think. You know, we're not used to it because people weren't interested in breaking stories in the women's game, but now they are. It's it's something that will come into the game more and more, I think. But I, I, I do agree with Kaz in a sense. I think I think there is a, a respect for the fans that could be there, you know, and and things could be told to, to the loyal supporters that go week in, week out before it's broken by national or international media, certainly. We'll move on to the next question then, and it is from Sylvain Germain, the French journalist. Do we believe that Marta Tejador can adapt to English football, considering she has very much a European mentality? First of all, Kaz, what do you think? Oh, crikey, you've put me on the spot here, haven't you? Um, do you think she just needs a bit more time before we can judge? See, that's the thing. How much time do you give someone? Do you know what I mean? But she's had how many games? Five? Mm, five, five or six, games, yeah. We've won two out of six. Mm. If it was a Premier League manager or a lower league manager, they would have been sacked. But I, I don't know. I think you've got to give it the first half of next season before we can, I think we can even judge, let her bring the staff in and the players in that she wants and then ask the question again after Christmas. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've, she's obviously wants to uh, probably have her own stamp on the, on the team in the summer and it's it's really early to tell if um, what 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 major changes she wants to make because she's obviously said that she doesn't want to make too many changes too early. So yeah, as you say, you probably needs a bit more time, Chris. What do you think? Um, yeah, look, I think even Mark Mark didn't turn it around overnight. You know, it took it took Mark a, a while to to really get his philosophy stamped into the players. Um, I think I think she needs a couple of things. I think she needs. You know the opportunity to bring her own players in, which obviously she'll get in the summer. I think she needs her own people around her. You know, this is no no slight on the coaching staff we've got now. You know, they've done excellent work over the last eighteen to twenty four months. But just somebody that you know, if you're going to give Marta the time and the chance, you know, give her her own staff as well. Somebody she, you know, she can bounce ideas off. You know, very very quickly. Um, people she knows um so i think yeah i think you've got to you've got to give her at least next season there, there are things you notice which don't look 100 percent right but you know based on the last game against arsenal we weren't woeful against arsenal you know we we gave as good as we got um i think you you definitely have to give her the vast majority of next season allow her to bring her own staff in allow her to bring her own players in and then you judge on the job she's doing then yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, the issue, the issue for her is obviously she's come to like you, the UK, and it's obviously such a climate and like uh, life change, I guess, from where she's previously worked. And mm. it takes time just to adjust to living in England because England is very rainy. It's not like Spain at all. And and obviously, uh, I did ask her about going to restaurants and stuff, and she hasn't been to any local Spanish restaurants yet. And it's just you just need to you need someone at a club who can acclimatize people to the area and stuff so they get they get they feel like they're at home because if she's 
I don't know if she still is living out the hotel, but you, you saw what happened to Jose Mourinho. He, he just didn't adjust to living in Manchester. And sometimes it doesn't work like that. And the best way players and coaches adapt to living in new areas are by having people sharing around and getting them building up like friend networks and stuff. What do you think, Kaz? Yeah, I agree with that bit. Like, obviously, if he is living out of a hotel, then I think the club need a sort of full-time accommodation out for her so she can get settled instead of like living out of a suitcase. The club should be showing her around as well to tell her where the best place is to go for meals and stuff like sightseeing like we went to Birmingham earlier to the new Primark and do you know what I mean it's just even the bull ring driving along Digby's Road and it's like there's so many iconic things in Birmingham to see yeah absolutely if somebody could like show the woman around I think it's that it's that sense of you know somebody else being there with her you know so she doesn't feel like she's on her own um you know i'm, I'm clearly i've no idea on on what she's doing outside of outside of the job at the moment but um you know you'd like to think that she's not just sitting sitting on her own a lot and speaking to family back in you know back in spain or or whatever but um yeah you you want you want people around her you want her to feel comfortable you don't want her to feel alone as such um, which is why I think it's important, you know, to allow her to bring your own staff in and bring your own players in, um, and, and things might might look a little bit more solid. Now, the other thing I would say is that Blues is um, it's a very different club to the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City. Um, you know, we were traditionally, a, you know, a, a working class club, a, a club that likes to to dig in and you know. And make life difficult. You know, over the years we've made life difficult for teams, and we're not used to the to the silky flair at European culture, if you like. Um, and I think that Reading game really stuck in a, a few people's throats that we weren't ready for the battle. Whereas over the last eight years, the one thing that you could always throw at Blues is is that we'd be ready for a battle, whether it was David or Mark in charge. So I think you have to. You have to blend. You have to develop as a coach. You have to learn, learn different sides of things. Um, hopefully, twelve months down the line, we'll be talking about this and, and and saying what a good job she's done at developing her style. Yeah, let's certainly hope so. Obviously, as you, as you mentioned, Chris, obviously Mark had the spring series to get everything right in order for his style to be implemented correctly yeah. for the season after. So, hopefully, this little end of the season with nothing nothing uh, at stake now, we'll give Marta a bit of a chance to see where. She wants to make changes if changes are needed. So next question then. And it's a question that Chris uh, Freville and Molly Hudson both both uh, asked in their own way, I suppose. So I'll kind of blend the, the two together. Do women football supporters really want to see crowds of 39,000 like at Juventus? Or do we prefer to stick to crowds of around 1,000 or 2,000 so it remains more accessible? And in doing so, maintain a connection with the players. So in essence, would you rather have a game where... We get to see the fans after the game, uh, the players after the game, chat to them, get autographs, or or would we prefer it to be more of a spectator sport like the Premier League, where it's so big crowds that the the game is much more popular on a uh, uh, cl- clear numbers uh, level, I guess, but we lose that connection, which has made women's football so unique over the years. Chris, do you want to go first? How long have we got? Um... As long as you want within reason. 
Is there, is there a ba balance between the two? Yeah, in a sense, I think I think the question you want to ask yourself is: Do you want to be selfish and and keep things the way they are, or or do you want the betterment for players? Um, yeah, because there's no doubt if you're getting crowds of thirty odd thousand, that that's better for the development of players. Um, you know the the financial rewards that are coming into the game. That's for the betterment of the players. It might not be for the betterment of Blues. And as Blues fans, you know our our outlook on this question would be very different to uh, the outlook of a Man City, Man United, Chelsea, or Arsenal fan. I came into the game and I I you know grew to love the game because of what it offered. You know because you could talk to the players after the game because the players would talk back to you and you you you. You struck up some sort of relationship between them. You know, I'm speaking on behalf of myself here. I'm sure Kaz, you know, has got her, her view on things. But, you know, I, I see myself as a supporter of Blues women. And I always will be because I'm a supporter of Blues, you know, the whole club on its own. I, I don't see the players as friends. I, you know, I, I, I absolutely adore them. But they're, they're footballers to me. You know, first and foremost, they're footballers. Quality players that have left Blues, you know, I I struggle to struggle to you know dislike them about it because they're doing it for their career. If they, if I can see that they're bettering their career, then then good luck to you at the end of the day and thank you for what you've done for Blues. It, it'll be disappointing as a Blues fan because I think we'll be the ones left behind. But if you, if you if you're on the benefit of the players, then then it'll be good for them. What do you think, Kaz? My initial answer is no. But, like Chris has just said, to him, they're just players to him. But, like, I would class a couple of them as friends. Yeah, you don't want to... You see it now, right? If you go and watch England men, you can't get anywhere near the likes of Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, or any of the first team. Now, if you go and watch England ladies, apart from being at the uh, Man City's ground... <laughs> You can still get to meet the players, and you, you see little kids with Frank Kirby shirts on, and Ellen White shirts on, and Steph Horton shirts, and to keep the women's sport like growing, you need them kids. So Arsenal, I reckon, should be playing up the Emirates against Man City the last game of the season. That's my opinion. Instead of cutting it down to two and a half, two thousand two hundred people, the Emirates is there. And they've chose not to use it. So I think you can see it with clubs that don't want to use the bigger stadiums. Uh, yeah. You look at Man City last season, they were getting 2,000 people in. This season, since Man United have got their own team, they're barely hitting 1,000. How do you expect to get bigger attendances if you've had programs like you're in at the minute? I think it continues to be the issue with like, how do you market this sport when it's targeted primarily towards families and children? But the the main bulk of football fans in general are either men or older older generations compared to perhaps what they're targeting towards. And so you're missing out a massive uh, area of football fans who see it as, oh, that's not for me because it's being targeted towards other people. Yeah. And then... In terms of like the attendances and stuff, you got to think 
as Chris said, it's it's better for the the teams and the players for the, the sustainability of the league if you get more and more fans in the door. But as 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 you say, Kaz, it's 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 not there yet, and until we get to that uh, situation, we won't have to worry about this situation where we do we fill these stadiums out because for Wembley we're we're waiting good crowds for the FA Cup final, but we're still not getting in anywhere near that uh, Atletico Madrid match that they played against Barcelona. You don't even get attendance in the women's Bundesliga I think the most I've seen in the women's Bundesliga is 3,000 so it's okay for a one-off game playing at at Juve's ground or Atletico Madrid's ground but you go back a few years ago when Arsenal did play at the Emirates and I think there was only a thousand people 2,000 at the most there so I think it's more cost affecting if you keep it like us playing at the Mars. Yeah. Then go to St Andrews. This is another another question that might be asked about which grounds we we want to see our teams played at the the men's or our or our current grounds. But um you you mentioned the Arsenal Man City game, Kaz, uh last game of the season. Chances are Arsenal will have won the league by then. So that that would be a game to celebrate Arsenal winning the WSL. You could open the Emirates. You could give all uh, Arsenal men's season ticket holders free access. You could actually give anybody free access to that game if you wanted to. I guarantee there wouldn't be over 15,000 in that game. No. You know? And maybe you think 15,000 is a good starting figure. But actually, you know, you're looking at 60,000 at Atletico Madrid and... For you know, forty odd thousand at Juventus, whatever it was, I think I'd, uh, the appetite isn't here for it yet. Now, the question about the marketing: Do you market it at families and kids, or do you try and do you try and attract you know fa- fans of the men's clubs into it? That is something that the FA have got to do, and a hell of a lot of more people on on big wages are paid to try and make that decision, um, you know, and, and, and come about with a, with an answer to get more people involved in the game. Um, but at the moment, you know, going back to the original question, I think for, on a, as a selfish Birmingham city fan, you know, I'd like it to stay the same because I love, I love watching my team and I love what speaking to the players after the games um, and I love having that interaction. If I want to see women's football grow to the levels that the FA want it to be, then then it has to change. I think with the with change, they could still think of ways to still have that interaction, but maybe on a f- less frequent level. Maybe with more like uh, autograph signings at like the club shop or whatever to just try and just try and continue the nice connection which the players do have with the fans. I think Brighton did that recently, didn't they? I think I saw Emily Simpkins was down. Yeah, Emily Simpkins was down there signing autographs at the club shop with alongside men's players. So, yeah, I think I think the main thing is to make it and uh, normalize it. Essentially, is I know Man City are the, the the shining example of it, but it's not converting into crowds at their ground, which is which is weird, which is which maybe shows that we're not quite there yet. But what they're trying to do is trying to normalise their men's fans to women's football and that it's like part of the club. And maybe 
for at least Birmingham City, maybe we don't have that crossover as much as we did. We had that around the Christmas period, I think, when we had all those different festive games and whatnot going on. But for the rest of the year, there's not really that much crossover where I know I know Mark spoke a lot of times of getting to know Gary Monk when he was here. But there was never like that, like maybe like a panel with those two talking. It's nothing that uh, there needs to be that sort of connection between the two uh, teams, I think, to really get that uh, sense that it's one community club, which is what they're trying to get across. What do you think? I I definitely agree with that. I think uh, I think it would be great for the club to do something like that. Like I've only lived in Birmingham like a few years, and. uh, I've never known the women to have a sign-in at the club shop or anything. I don't. Do the men even do a sign-in at the club shop? Yeah, um, Easter holidays and things like that. They normally have. They normally have a couple of players at the club shop for signing. Yeah. All right. Well, I think they need to like both as well. Like link the both. Get a few of the men coming to the games. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with with both, you know, with what both of you have said. What I would say in in the defence of someone like Blues, um, maybe it's not a defence, maybe it is a bit of a poor defence, but but actually, there's there's been a hell of a lot going on at Blues over the last few months, you know, off the field matters and things like that, um, and and you know what social media is like when when we're waiting for for an EFL announcement of how many points Blues are going to be deducted. You suddenly throw a tweet out there saying a couple of Blues women's players are going to be down at the club shop, you know, signing autographs and things like that. You, you know what people are like on social media, unfortunately. But maybe that is a poor excuse because maybe you just have to, um, you know, rise above those people on Twitter and actually keep keep the news out there, keep the news going. But um, you know, as I say, the club of the club have been going through a lot over the last few months and. Um, it has been a difficult time for them. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that that's understandable. And I'm in looking long term, we can think if if they integrate this going forward from next season, then that it'll be it'll be all fi- yeah, be fine. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that we've got uh, international players, obviously, in the women's team, we should we should be able to. Um, that that's a good way to get crossover as get as when with the uh, the men's team, obviously, because it it shows just how good the women's team are that we have players who play for England, who play for Wales, who play for Republic of Ireland, Scotland. It's something we should be shouting about more. What do you think, Kaz? Yeah, I definitely think so. Like, not being funny, you've got one of the best strikers in the world at our club, in Ellen White, and use her, do you know what I mean? Get her out there in the community and get her to sign autographs at a club shop. Parade her around St Andrews if you have to, if it means to get more people through the doors. But... Uh, in, in the same sense, you've got up and coming England stars the likes of Hannah Hampton and Aoife Mannion. So put them out there, show them on the, the board at uh, St Andrews, the scoreboard. Put some of our games on there so people know what they're missing. Yeah, absolutely. Good, great idea, Kaz. I'm not being funny. We found out on Monday that Clifton Bell did his uh, ACL, yet it took the club six seven weeks to tell us about Ellen's injury yeah so there needs to be that constant upgrade if they're okay to do it straight away for the men they need to tell uh, put something out for the women as well straight away instead of keeping the women in a loop 
Yeah, it's, it's still very secretive in, when it comes to injuries. I think Arsenal have done a really good job this season of doing regular updates of their players, which is probably needed based on how many injuries Arsenal have had this season. But still, it's it's really good that Arsenal have been able to put that out for the fans to even understand why the players aren't, aren't, aren't in the team sheet every week. We'll move on now to the next question then. And it is a slightly different... Uh, oh, no, we'll, we'll, we'll do Laurie's question first because uh, that's related to the topic which we've been talking about. Damson Park or St Andrews? Kaz, which one do you prefer for games? Damson, Damson, Damson Park. Park. Okay. Chris, what about you? It's, uh, it's for the women's for women's for women's games. Yeah, that's point out. yeah. That St Andrews is is my spiritual church. You know what I mean? It's it's where I've been going for for years and years and years, and I absolutely adore the place. Um, if you could tell me that. You know, if you could promise me that you'd get fifteen, twenty thousand through the gate every week, then then I'd say St Andrews. Um but uh a St Andrews with one or you know, one to two thousand people there, um, it you know, it doesn't feel the same. Um and with the exception of when we beat Arsenal in the Champions League, um at St Andrews, I can't actually remember a game where we've been absolutely terrific against decent opposition at St Andrews. I, I don't know whether that's psychological or whether that's just, you know, a bit of bad luck that we've had an off day at the times we've played at St Andrews. But um the the girls are used to Solly or Moors, that's their home ground that's their home ground. You know, and I think I think that that's where you have to keep it for the time being. Yeah, I, f- I think I agree with that. It's um obviously it's become like a fortress for us in a lot of games over the last decade or so or however long they've been playing maybe not that long i remember they played at tamworth before that before my mm. time but uh yeah it, good, yeah. yeah it's uh it, it's it's damson part for me for uh, in for the time being until until you as you say chris we can get bigger crowds and and also what what you have to remember is that when when Paige finally gets her goal there's no way me and sean are getting on the pitch at st andrews so, you know, not, we, not if you hope to keep your season ticket. Well, exactly. So, you know, we've got to stay at Damson Park until Paige scores because, you know, that we, we've got to get on the pitch and that's just not happening at St Andrews, is it, unfortunately? So, Let, let's hope Sarah um, is kind to you and not ban you from <laughs> Damson Park then if that happens. Well, if she scores on the last ever game at Damson Park, that's fine by me. You can ban me from Damson Park all you want then. You're going to be like the Scottish when they played England at Wembley and just <laughs> trash the goal. <laughs> Crossbars coming down and everything, yeah. Okay, we'll move on to the next question and it's slightly different and it is from Andy Smith and he asks, what do you guys think about the uh, the concept of rolling subs? No, I don't like that. I think it should be friendlies. I don't mind because it gives players a run out but no, not for a league game or something like that. Because obviously, if you have rolling subs, the players are going to get cold, then they've got to warm up again, and then they're probably more likely to get an injury that way. So, no, I don't like that idea. What about you, Chris? Yeah, you're, you're taking it away from from football, if you like, you know, and, and you don't want to do that. You know, if the, the women's game wants to grow and be taken seriously by all by all corners of the of the world of football then you you know you you want to stick to the to the to the rules and the laws of the game and there's you know I don't see any issue at the moment with the substitution situation so no no not for me yeah i think i think it's something that maybe for clubs with low uh, not many players at like lower levels 
yeah. there's like an injury, you can bring someone back on, which which would be fair, that sort of level. But at the elite level, at like the women's super league or the championship level, or even national league to some degree, you you there's a tactical aspect of having substitutes and using them at the right time. And I think yeah. you're, you'd you'd lose that if you had rolling subs. Yeah. Uh, the final two questions then are from Oxford Craig. I don't know what his last name is, but he's an Oxford United fan. The first question he asks are, what does Blues need to do in order to progress off the pitch specifically? Sign the current squad down to long-term contracts and go and sign Sam Kerr and Jennifer Marazan. And that, that, might, that might help us a bit. That might be all right. Sign, 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 sign Beth Mead as well. We'll, we'll get, we we'll get, we we'll get about five keepers, so we'll she get more than, more than, would, more than Chelsea. She wouldn't get in our side, Beth Mead. No way. Oh, I debate, I debate that. <laughs> but, but I'm a big fan of Beth Mead. So that, that one, that one's for John, by the way. You can keep that. <laughs> um, Kaz, what do you think? What, what do we need to do off the field to um, progress as a club going forward? Uh, more interaction with fans, I think. Um, I echo Chris's get the players signed down to long term contracts, especially that Paige Williams and Megan Sargent. Uh, and Ethan Mannion. Don't just list every player. Well, we could, <laughs> but, but we'll be there all while. <laughs> yeah, it's just, as, as Kaz says, it's more interaction with the fans, get, getting the club closer, more interaction with the men's team to get more uh, exposure. Yeah. Maybe getting some vloggers like that Brummy Joe fella down to the down to Damson Park a few times next season just to show fans that it's it's a really good match and it's a really good uh, team to follow. Really, I've tried. I, you've tried. He's just not. He's just not keen, is he? I've tried. Maybe next season we'll we'll, we'll try yeah. again. Uh, the final question from Oxford Craig is: How much is riding on a successful World Cup to elevate women's football in this country? Chris, what do you think? That's the that's. That's the key. That's the that's the holy grail for the FA. Yeah, uh, you know, a World Cup. Honestly, a World Cup win with Phil Neville in charge, and and all. You know, the FA's job is done. Um, you know, the the marketing that you can sell on the back of that. Um, you know, the attraction of of a women's Super League, which is full of World Cup winners, and you've got next season. You the chances are you're going to have the the top six in the men's league in the top, you know, will, will be in the women's super league. It's, it's the Holy grail. Um, I think that not just the women's game, the men's game as well in any sport into in, success on the international stage brings a whole new attendance, a whole new bracket of fans that, that can be drawn to the game based on the fact that you can say, come and see the world champions. We, we saw what it did, for, for, you know, for, for, small period of time after Canada when we got to the semi-finals and, and won third place. If we go on and win it, I think I think it's a different level altogether. Obviously, none of us are old enough to remember when England won the Men's World Cup. So we we can't really say how much of an impact this would have. But in, in this world where women's football is getting more exposure in the media recently, especially with the Telegraph uh, getting uh, introducing two new sports writers, I think, for dedicated women's sport today, um, it's obviously a growing thing. You've got that Coca-Cola sponsored uh, uh, Channel 4 show coming starting later this month, I think, as well, or next month, one of, the, one of those two. It's obviously a, continues to grow. And what do you think, Kaz? Do you think a win at the World Cup would be seismic in the change that it would do to the popularity, make, make them all household names for decades to come? Uh, it all depends, in all honesty. Like, 
Yes, I'm going to say yes and no. You've seen what it did, the back of, like Chris said, the bronze medal for a few games. Clubs with over 3,000. I think people just lose interest. It's, it's England and we always expect England not to be great men or women. And what a lot of people seem to get in. A few years back, we actually got to a final in the European Cup mm. and the attendance didn't go up then. But I don't think the Super League was back then. So, I don't know. I think it's, it's going to go one or two ways. If we win it, the crowd could become bigger. But if we don't get further than, say, the group stages, then I think it's blown the FA wide open criticism. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one to see which side of the coin it falls on this summer. Hopefully England do well, but it's it's been a mixed results this past week, really. You've had a good performance, a, a not very good performance, really. So we'll, we'll wait and see, see, see when the final team uh, comes out and see what happens. Before we go, then, we'll quickly preview next Wednesday's game. Obviously, the show usually comes out on a Wednesday, so it'll be a bit pointless me previewing it next week. So we're playing Everton next Wednesday. It's Willie Kirk's side are currently in 10th place in the Women's Super League, 19 points behind Birmingham City, who are in 4th. The last time these sides met was all the way back in September. Charlie Wellings firing home in the opening minute with what turned out to be the only goal of the game. Changes in the dugout since last time for both teams. Andy Spence was sacked in November and replaced by Manchester United assistant coach Willie Kirk. Losing to Yeovil Town seemed to be the final straw for Spence, who was touted as a possible replacement for Mark when he left the Birmingham City post. Meanwhile, as many fans know, Blues boss Mark Skinner left for Orlando Pride and was replaced by Marta Tejador. I think it's fair to say Everton have underperformed this season, but do you think a change in coach will give them a boost to try and overturn that 1-0 result from the previous fixture, Chris? I'm not sure. Um, I don't see a great, uh, you know, an, an exceptional side. I think when Willie Kerr came in there, you know he's obviously got um you know got ambitions for the club and you know he wants to talk 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 his own players up i understand that but i think he was talking about top top 6 top 5 next season that's the ambitions for his club but yovel have done the double over him this season um you know i think there's a lot of work that needs to go on there whether he's got big ambitions big promises maybe from from premier league everton that Maybe the women's team will, will be getting a few more funds and you can bring a few more players in over the summer. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I certainly don't see a, a top five WSL side in that Everton squad. You know, like I said, their, their performances this season haven't been, haven't been exceptional. Comfortably beaten by Man United in the Cup earlier on in the season. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't see... I don't see his his view on that team. Um, I don't see a squad that can develop enough to get into the top four, top five, top six of the WSL. No, as you say, if Yeovil hadn't been given the points deduction that they did for going into administration, they would be two points behind Everton now with whatever, whatever, three or four games left. So that would yeah. be very interesting. Goals have obviously been a real issue for Everton this season. They've scored just nine goals in 16 league matches. They obviously lost Courtney Sweetman-Kirk to rivals Liverpool in the summer. 
and had hoped her replacement, Hannah Kane, could find the goals for them, but injuries have really hampered her season since she signed from Sheffield. Injuries again for Chloe Kelly has not helped either. She was ruled out with an ankle injury in February, which will keep her out for the end of the season. She's obviously came from Arsenal, which she was on loan last season. She did quite well. Recent history is in our favour too, with Birmingham City winning 3-0 last season away from home at Everton, thanks to goals from Charlie Wellings and Ellen White. That was the last away game of the season. There were some superb long-range shots in that game in the Merseyside sunshine. Do you think that will be the plan again, Chris, to try and test Kirsty Lavelle from the first whistle with some long-range shots? Possibly. Uh, I don't think... You know, Kirsty Lavelle is actually somebody who, who I rate quite highly. I think she's, you know, she's got she's a promising young goalkeeper. Um, she hasn't covered herself in glory in both of the Yeovil defeats. I think, you know, she was probably to blame for both both of Yeovil's winning goals in those games. But she is somebody who I rate highly. Um, yeah, I think I think we'll look to we'll look to hold on to the ball as much as possible. Um, you know, I think it's it's a bit similar to the Brighton game, but I think Brighton had a little bit more about them than Everton. Um, so hopefully we we get an early goal and and we settle ourselves down. Um, you know, hopefully the although we didn't get the result, the performance was better against Arsenal. Um, and and you'd like to think that that will stand them in good stead and and give them a bit of confidence going into the Everton game. Hopefully so. In terms of threats from Everton, you can look towards their midfield. The Dutch international Dominique Brunenberg scored for Sunderland against Blues in the past and established Welsh international Angarad James will look to dominate the centre of the park. Uh, you'll also see the familiar face of Abby Lee Stringer, who signed from Blues in the summer. I was always a fan of hers during her Birmingham City days, but hopefully she doesn't come back to haunt us next week. Kaz, who, who do you think is the, uh, the danger player for Everton going into this game? Uh, I reckon has uh, a Welsh midfielder. I think she's absolutely superb. I would have a I would team within a heartbeat. Uh, like you said, they've got Abby, who on a day can, and she shows up. She's a fantastic midfielder. Um, people say Gabby George is one to look out for, but I think she's a bit overrated in my my opinion. Uh, I don't see Everton threaten one single bit. Okay. Prediction time then. Chris, how about you start today? Nil-two. Uh, Nil-two. As, as in Blues to win 2 nil away from home. I, I think the listeners got it, Chris, but just thank you for clarifying. <laughs> You're welcome. Kaz, how about you? What do you think the score's going to be? Birmingham 4-0 with Claudia Walker scoring. <laughs> oh. Uh, no, she's on loan. She won't be able to play, will she? Yeah, she's a little player. Is she? Okay. Kaz has the, in, the inside scoops for you there. And, Always. 4-0 uh, and a 2-0. I'm going to go... I've got 1-0 written down here. I'm very unambitious this week. So I'm going to go for a 1-0 win to Birmingham City. And that was the Great Sense 68 podcast. To listen to future shows or listen back to our previous ones, go to iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you may use and search for Great Since 68 and subscribe today. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep right on!